In this episode of Negative Modifier, we'll be playing the game Delta Green. Delta Green, by design, tackles various mature themes that may be uncomfortable or triggering for listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, it's Charlie, Negative Modifier's Game Master. First off, thank you for giving us a listen. As always, expect something horrible to happen to the players. If you're a fan, support us by leaving a review on iTunes. If you hate the show, consider doing it anyway and enjoying the fact that you've inflicted us on someone else. For the most up-to-date news in the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and with that... As you return to camp, you see Dr. Merlo, who you know. You've worked with her before. You have a shared history. Do you uh, make your way towards her? Like, what do you do upon seeing a friendly face in this truly bizarre circumstance? So upon seeing Merlo, I just kind of give a head nod. Hello. But otherwise, I'm going to do my best not to immediately engage in conversation just because I did cover up her coworker's death and I'm actively lying about it. All right. So I am going to continue on my way. And how do you respond, Dr. Merlo? I think I'm just going to kind of remain in, like, just this quiet, like, shock, if you will. Obviously, with everything going on, considering I had my own weird situation not too long ago earlier as well, this is just stacking and stacking. I can't see any remains or anything, right? No, no, yeah. You only could really hear the sounds of what went on. Dempsey was out a little bit of a ways type of thing. Like, maybe you could have seen the outline of her, but the exact events you could not see from where you were. The sound, that carried. Okay. Hmm. And I know she's... I know Dempsey's dead for a fact now. I mean, she didn't come back, and those screams were pretty terrible. Hmm. Give me an intelligence. 60 out of 90 success. Yeah, those were beyond walking it off screams. Like, the suddenness of them ending, like, the fact she's not here, the fact that not all the team came back, like, it does not spell a good picture. If she had survived, she'd be back by now. And the fact that she's not, it does not suggest anything good happened out there. Okay, so then, yeah, at at this point, Merlot's just, despite the the small time we kind of had worked... It'll be kind of a, a short morning, if you will, but with everything going on and knowing that like we're pressed for time, like mm-hmm. she'll have to carry on, but she's also just terrified. Also, She's going to use this also as like a weird kind of motivation because time is ticking. Let the tragedy fuel you, if you will. Yeah. Makes sense. She's going to use that essentially as fuel, but also definitely going to be on high alert and will probably always ask for some sort of escort moving forward, even in a, on camp. Makes a lot of sense. All right, Dr. Schuler, you are inside. The screams have stopped. Where were you when the screams were happening? Were you inside? Were you kind of walking across the Weather Watcher HQ to find Bimmel? Where, where, where were you kind of in your path through the morning? I think that I was on my way to go speak to Bimmel. All right, so you also see Lookman, I guess like, once the screams stop, do you continue trying to find Bimmel, or do you kind of wait to see if anything comes back? No. No, I I, I mean, medical things and, like, biology and whatnot is kind of, like, my specialty. So, those screams... I've already resolved that she's dead after sure. what I, I saw last night. So, I'm gonna go see Bimmel. That gives me more motivation to get these things out of camp immediately. Makes a lot of sense. All right, so you enter Bimmel's office and give me a search. 
53 out of 54 success. A fight or scuffle of some kind has occurred in this space. Again, it's not a permanent office, but like her desk has been knocked over partially. Her chair is askew. There's papers all over the place. You swear you see some drops of blood on some of the walls and maybe on some of the surfaces on the floor. You're not quite sure what went down, but a fight definitely occurred. What the fuck? Uh, How fresh is the blood? It's dry, but not like dry dry, if that makes any sense. Do you have criminology or forensics by any chance? I do have forensics at 60. Yeah, see uh, forensics on that. 13 out of 60 success. You'd guess maybe two hours old tops. Uh, Is there a trail of blood at all that I just missed coming in? Any like subtle marks on the wall leading out of the office or anything like that? There's not. And the blood you're finding is small kind of drops. There's no major splatter or anything like that. I mean, I'm going to look around the office some more. First of all, I'm going to make sure that Bimmel's not like hiding in any of the uh, turned over things. And then I'm going to see what her office holds that I might not have been told about in this for this operation. Sure. All right. Give me a search. 28 out of 54 success. All right. So you don't find much that's actually all that useful. Bimmel, this entire time, pursuing her own kind of line of inquiry and kind of thought in this whole process. And she's just been wrong at every turn. There's lots of notes that show frustration and just kind of constant backtracking. Like she had no better grasp of what the situation was than anyone else. She was in the same boat the rest of you were trying to figure this out while not really grasping what the hell was going on, for lack of a better phrase. Like it is, the notes are kind of scattered and increasingly, you'd guess, kind of as. The hours ticked on a little bit more and more erratic. You do eventually find what looks like maybe a piece of tissue that is quite soaked in blood, almost like in a wipe pattern, though, of some kind, like something was dragged through it. Not a knife, but you're having a hard time guessing what... It's weird. There's blood on the napkin tissue thing, but not in a way that makes a lot of sense. Like, it's a very clean line that wouldn't be made from a knife or something like that. Like, you've enough kind of dissections to kind of understand how that type of thing works like it's all right yeah do i know which afosi agent was assigned to follow bimmel you do not great i'm gonna go looking for bimmel then i'm gonna start by going to see harris all right i'm gonna go talk to harris yeah all right so as you're crossing camp you see captain luckman kind of return you see marilo kind of looking out at all of this you see a tent has been set up for the chair. You also see they've also started to burn at least a couple of the bodies in a shallow kind of not really adequate, but something suddenly has kind of pushed them into getting the let out on getting rid of some of these bodies attitude. Any change in plans or going straight to Harris? I'm going to swing by to Merlot on my way over. I pull out my notebook like I'm, I'm getting ready to exchange like notes on what I've taken so far with Merlot. Sure. And I'm going to say... I just went to Bimmel's office. It looks like there's been a fight and there's blood. I can't find her. Captain Lookman, you are one of the two Blue Fly paratroopers that was assigned directly to be kind of part of the research team. You've obviously had not be super involved in that. You've been kind of off doing your own thing for all of this. Seeing Schuler approach Merlo, do you kind of change your plans of where you're going? Do you kind of choose to engage at that point? Or do you kind of keep going back to where you were going? I think I'll stop and listen in. Schuler, Merlo, give me an alertness. Oh boy. 77 fumble. 65 out of 27 failure. Neither of you realize that Captain Lookman is listening in on you. This feels so weird. 
pseudo playing against everyone. <laughs> All right, Merlo, how do you respond to the news that something's happened to Bimmel? I guess I, I start kind of like looking over to Shuler, like, where's Bimmel? I don't fucking know. I'm out looking for her right now. I was going to go talk to Harris. The fucking research team's getting picked off one by one. Was it the things that got Dempsey? I don't, I don't fucking think so. Shit. Did they bring her back? I have no idea. Jesus Christ. I, that scream, though. No, I... Well, hold on. I don't think it could be whatever got Dempsey got Bimmel, because did you hear anything from Bimmel, or Bimmel just kind of disappeared? No, 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 about two hours ago. Whatever happened, it was about two hours ago, when we were asleep. Look, I, I was about to go talk to Bimmel about moving the bodies out of camp. So we can avoid whatever the fuck's been going on, but I might just need to go to Harris and ask myself. I don't know if Harris can be trusted. Absolutely fucking not. At this point, so I you weren't there, but I no, had a, I saw I saw last night what happened. The, you saw me sitting in the chair thing this morning. Yep. So when I snapped out of it, there were two people who were intently focused on me. It was Harris, and it was Farrell. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, intently focused. More than, like, you know how you get a weird look? Like, well, the weird looks you would get from sitting on the random giant throne thing I would get. But there were two people who were looking at me that did not seem to have this, like, share that reaction. They almost were looking with this, like, keen sense of, like, can I call it, like, gleeful curiosity, if you will? And it was those two. All right. Do you want to come with me or are you going to? We're going to need to stick together. I don't think we should travel anywhere separately. And if anything, we need to be armed. That's that's going to be hard. Do we have anything from the lab we can use as like a weapon for now? I mean, there are, there are, are plenty of knives, scalpels and whatnot that, that eventually I mean, okay, let's uh let's go. Let's go talk to Harris. See what we can. I'm going to talk to Harris about getting the bodies moved. Okay. Float the idea of talking to Bimmel. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say that I just need to report some things to her. Okay. Can I look around for, like, some sort of, like, scalpel or some sort of, like, at least some sort of weapon I can have on me, just in case? Yeah, give me a search. 18 out of 22 success. You find a large crescent wrench that could be used as a club. Okay. I will try to hide that on me. Do I notice that she finds this? Oh, yeah, you watch all of this. Like, they're not exactly being stealthy. They didn't even notice you were there. Okay. Afternoon. If you're going to try to talk to Harris about moving bodies, you know for a fact he's not going to help you out with that. Look, all I've learned since we've gotten to this fucking death trap of a camp is nothing happens without Harris's say-so. I don't need his help to do it. I just need his permission. Gotcha. After go see Harris still, or? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start walking over to uh, go see Harris. As you get closer, the door kind of slams open, and one of the AFOSI agents walks out, and you hear from inside say, it's not time yet for purgatory. I'm going to knock on the door. Yeah, the AFOSI agent kind of brushes past you. The door slowly closes from the momentum. You knock on the door. You hear from inside. I'll, I'll step in. Dr. Schuler, are we feeling better after our rest? Just working as best I can. Look, um, I understand that burning the bodies is a bit of a logistical issue, so uh, before tonight rolls around, I think it's best if we move the bodies to a new location away from camp. 
at least for the time being. I feel as though I say this a lot, Dr. Schuler, but why? You have heard the reports of what happened last night at the various checkpoints. Are you seriously suggesting that the morgue might rise? Why take the risk? Not only that, it's clearly a distraction for everyone else around camp. They off-put everyone, including your men, Blue Fly, some of the other researchers. Having them out of sight, out of mind, will get people back focused on task. Have hems and haws for a second. I suppose they are in trailers. Relocating the morgue would not be the hardest of activities. Uh, very well, Doctor, if it means so much to you. Now that you're up and about, have you managed to find anything useful? I'm just getting started. I, I've started to examine the samples that I brought in last night. I think that we're probably going to take a look at what was dug out of the lake last night, see what we can figure out with that. I meant to meet with Bimmel and trade some notes, but she's not in their office. Oh, the doctor suffered an injury and had to be medevaced out of the base. What happened? It's not really clear. She seemed to suffer some type of break of some kind. She was found screaming in her office. Did she hurt herself? I'm not really sure. She was restrained and removed, and we rushed her to a hospital. I roll a human in. Oh, yeah. 15 out of 40 success. Something does not add up on this, and I will say that kind of as this whole thing is going on, Harris is making some just downright uncomfortable eye contact, like it's boring into you a little bit. No eye contact broken, the words are a little too measured, maybe even rehearsed might be the right phrase for it. And I will also say that what you saw in the office does not line up with what he's saying. How long ago was Bimmel taken? When was she medevaced out? I didn't hear a helicopter take off. It's been an interesting afternoon, Doctor. We tried to let you get some rest. How long? It was about kind of like pretend like checks his watch. Oh, about, I'd say, two, three hours at this point, probably closer to two. Did you fly her out or drive her? I mean, how, how bad off was she? It was more the matter of want her removal expedited. I believe she was moved in one of the Humvees. You don't have a report on what the injury was. I mean, it's not like her to... I mean, she's probably the most uh, mentally sound out of all of us. Even the most mentally sound can bend and break, Doctor. These are strange, troubling times. My understanding is that she was finding the work frustrating. Lots of backtracking. No progress made forward. Anyone might feel that to be a failure and break under such stress. Do you have a report on the incident? Kind of looks at you a little bit confused. It looks like almost mockingly. This isn't the type of situation where we're big on reports. All the necessary paperwork will be filed after the fact, if that's what you're worried about. What about Dempsey? Yes. What about Major Dempsey? Her family will be informed of her tragic passing and a heroic line of duty as part of a freak accident as on a work site. We all do covert work, Doctor. So Dempsey's dead. Not what everyone else is feeding us out there. She, she's gone. He kind of looks at you, kind of pauses for a second. Doctor, you're a good enough doctor to understand the idea that if she'd survived, she'd probably be here right now. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't. I had hoped I was wrong. As you witnessed last night, Doctor, whatever we're dealing with here is dangerous. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go get back to it. 
If you find anything useful, please report it to me. Also, the chair. Do you think it's wise to keep it in base? I was contemplating its demolition. Uh, it would make a certain amount of sense that a strange object like that's pulled out of a lake where the energy readings were reported coming from. I assume some type of link. Yes? Working theory, perhaps. I uh, will have more for you when, we, when we've had a chance to examine it. Have any of your men said anything to you about the uh, chair since it was brought in? The lab was set up. Aside for remarks on its strangeness, nothing worth noting, I suppose. Why, are you hoping someone sat in it again like the other doctor? No, I was just curious to see if someone had. No, to my knowledge, no one's felt the compulsion just yet. All right, well, I'm going to go get back to it then. Understood, Doctor, and please, do keep me posted on any progress you make. Yeah, of course. Uh, Let me know how Bimble's doing when you get word. I shall, Doctor. I shall. Great. I'm walking out. Marlo, were you there for all of that, or were you outside? I was there, which is why I was actually going to ask if I... Just to confirm, because, like, listening in and, like, seeing all this stuff, like, not add up, I was kind of waiting to see if I can get a signal, because I was going to probably try to swing it. This guy (laughs) with the wrench, but like I'm like, well, maybe not. But I no, the 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 moment passed. I'm not. I'm I'm not for now. But I'm keeping that wrench on me just in case. Makes sense. (laughs) All right, so you two step back outside. Captain Luckman, did you kind of move on? Did you wait for them to come out? Like, what's your play at this point? Something's obviously up with these two. One, when I kind of broke the fact that I had overheard them they really didn't react to it so it was intriguing enough as is to kind of follow them and whatnot there is a little bit of a guilt in the sense of because uh, merlo and i have been worked together previously so part of me still like do want to help her out in some way but at the same time i still have my orders i still have a job that I need to do so i think i am waiting for them outside just kind of casually. And when I hear that they're out, I just kind of pipe up. So he uh, say no, or what's the what's the deal with Harris? Bodies are being moved. Gotcha. Is that AFOSI or you you're having us do that? I'm sure Harris will send it down the pipe. Look, you you hear what happened to Bimmel? No, actually, I didn't. I thought I would give you two. Your space was kind of a little bit more curious as to the focus that you guys are having. A little concerned more for Merlo, seeing as how... Look at... What's up? Look, look. We already know Dempsey's gone. Merlo and I, were doing fine. But Bimmel is not. What happened to Bimmel? Bimmel's not here anymore. You're a oh. rescue pilot, right? I thought that you would know. thought they would have told you. Captain Lukeman, did you guys have any flights out today? No, we're still grounded right now. I look over at Schuler and give that look of like, hmm. And then I look back at Luckman and I say, is there somewhere we can go where we can talk? I can figure something out. Let me let me make some arrangements. I mean, Bimmel's empty office is empty. Let's just use Bimmel's office. No one's in there anyways. A little morbid, but honestly, a good idea. Let's go. You kind of project any type of pretense as to why you're going to Bimmel's office, maybe like to collect your notes or something like that? 
Or yeah. you just kind of just going in, because going in at this point? No, as we're walking over, Uller will mainly be talking to Merlot, including Lukeman, and just like, yeah, we need an extra pair of hands to gather together our notes. We're going to comb through them tonight to see if there's anything useful we can get out of them. And I'm talking a little louder than normal. Probably about like the same volume Schuler talked when he first showed up here and being sure. more jovial and whatnot. We're trying to drive home that idea of, oh yeah, we're just doing our jobs. Yeah. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. That seems to work. Like even your kind of escorts that have been not doing a great job of keeping track of you because we're going to talk to Harris and situations weird enough as it is. Like they hang outside even and you three are alone in Bimmel's still trashed office. Yikes. Yeah, she was taken away, it looks like. Someone on Blue Fly must have seen something. There's no way she got removed without anyone noticing. Yeah. Does this look like someone who was removed and flown out on a medical emergency? You know, officially I can't really comment on that. But professional opinion, personal opinion, no, it doesn't. I'll have to figure out a way to weasel some information. Otherwise, it's a little tricky to navigate the chain of command look when we break for lunch let's all go speak to Farrell. look you you were technically part of the research team at least uh, you were look merlo i know you're not going to want to but i'm the only one who can really do the autopsies on the samples we brought in maybe a lukeman here can help you with the uh, chair until i'm done we at least need to appear like we're working agreed Look, figure out whatever you can. I mean, reread all that stuff we were reading about, you know, the, like the history, the tribes and whatnot. See if anything connects. Are you sure you are, should be doing the autopsies by yourself? I have my guard standing in with me. Ah. He's throwing a fit about it, but, you know, he can grow the fuck up. All right. If he's been sent to babysit me, he's going to fucking babysit me. See, now that you mentioned babysitting, I don't know if you had heard of what Dempsey had to deal with while yesterday was happening. But rumor has it that something had came out of a body bag and the boys had to put it down. It was, um, what was that? A Thorpe. It was a Thorpe. Yeah. The boys said that like a baby had jumped out of a body bag and they had to shoot it down. I thought, Someone was, I thought they were just completely hallucinating off of whatever they were drinking or whatnot. But honestly, with what, how weird everything is, I just wanted to relay that information. So you better have a good ass guard. Right. I'm going to go get to work. All right. So you're off to go and do the autopsies and kind of check out the bodies? Yeah. Makes sense. Merlo, Luckman, are you going to go examine the chair? What are you going to spend your time doing at this point? It's about, we'll call it, Two o'clock in the afternoon, give or take. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to follow Merlo and just kind of impose as kind of her escort. But at the sure. same time, I wanted to strike up a conversation on the way to the chair, kind of concerned and asking her about the whole uh, sitting incident. We can go check out the chair and we should also chat some more. There's some stuff we should discuss specifically regarding some of our previous projects that we've worked on. Oh. Oh. Huh. I mean, I was aware that was here, but huh. All right. Let's walk and talk. I don't know how many people are aware of it, so maybe we shouldn't walk and talk about it. 
at least not until we're at the lab, but we can talk about other things on the way there. Yeah. Speaking of the chair, actually. So are you okay? The boy's been talking about a weirdo lady just looking like everything was everything was absolutely tip top shape sitting on the weird thing that they pulled out of a lake. You're not losing your marbles, are you? I I am not well. Let's leave it at that. But I am well enough to know that there are things going on and they require a much higher focus right now. And that once that stuff is squared away, I can worry about myself afterwards. Gotcha. Well, I guess keep that spanner on hand if it's helping you just kind of be a little bit more secure. But what else do you want us to do with this chair? I need to examine it better. Obviously, seeing it underwater is, is not a good idea to get some a thorough kind of look at it. And obviously, when we pulled that out of the water, it was dark. All right. And then I know this is a little morbid, but contingency plan. If you start, I don't know, zoning out, what do you want? Snap me out of it. How gentle am I supposed to be? I guess is the best way to phrase that. You're a professional. I will leave that up to you. But I will say if it reaches a point where I am no longer snapping out of it, do what you have to do. Copy that. And that's the end of the conversation that I wanted to have. Sure. All right. So you're off to research the chair, though, is the broad kind of consensus? Yeah. Yes. All right. Cool. Let's resolve Dr. Schuler's activity first. Dr. Schuler, you have a medicine above 50%, correct? Well, I have a 70 in medicine, and microbiology also has a 70. That is more than enough to make some very uncomfortable connections. One, the reanimated dead bodies you found, or the, the, the risen dead, we'll call them, I suppose, have the exact same cell activity that you observed in the cadavers previously. What's confusing, though, is that apparently, you're not sure how or why, but seems chemical signals and energy was being spontaneously communicated amongst dead cells, which that's not possible. They're dead. All right. Give me a sand check. 78 fail. All right. That's going to be 1d4 sand damage. Two sand damage. I'm going to break my bond with Dr. Siddiqui. Sure. To prevent that. I take one. Makes sense. Post-death cell activity. Something triggers intercellular communication, awakening cells, and the connections between cells. That unknown agent or factor seems to trigger energy transfer within and between cells. A reactivated cell transmits signals to neighboring cells. Energy appears in those cells. Cellular metabolism begins. Those cells transmit to others. The source of this energy seems derived from existing chemical reserves in the body. There is no breathing, heartbeat, circulatory activity, or conventional respiration. There is no intestinal motility. Electrical activity is detectable in the body and correlates with movement, but is not present in the brain at anything like normal levels. What brain activity there is seems diffuse, random, and disorganized. There is no observable cell division, protein, mRNA or DNA synthesis. The usual chemical messengers, such as ATP and CAMP, are present, but at lower levels than normal, and don't seem to be replenished when depleted. The reanimated cells seem to be running on what they had available when they were frozen. What you never see is the cause. It is as if you are studying the negative space left by the unknown factor. 
Some unexplained gathering of organic compounds, molecular energy that seems to coalesce from nothing like quantum particles from a probability cloud. The good news is that the activity seems to be slowing. Active cells seem likely to return to inert states after about 24 hours. Oh god. So you're observing intriguing cellular activity amongst the now once again dead body samples that were recovered. I'm just mumbling to myself to Sure. 24 hours, 24 hours, and then everything rewrites itself. It all goes back to fucking normal. Problem is, is that's 24 hours of fucking monsters running around, ripping people apart. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. um, I just start throwing shit at these samples and seeing what works best to destroy them. Basically, it's a repeat of what you found in the previous ones. They seem to absorb heat, seem to absorb energy, like. As best you can tell, the way you would kill these normally, which would be kind of through severe damage, seems to be the only obvious way of returning these things back to a non-animated state. Fuck. Based on your eyewitness status of seeing these things kind of break themselves, that makes a certain amount of sense. Like, yeah, you're not quite sure how they're animating, but they're not animating especially well until they are. Give me an intelligence, actually. Sure. 74 at a 90% success. You feel very confident that the act of these things feeding is a very major part of what seems to make them go from dangerous to lethal. Do I think that them feeding would extend the the time in which they, they can remain active? I know that they'll return to inert after 24 hours, but do I think that that would change if they were to, say, feed on a, an entire person? Based on what you witnessed in the attack, yes. How far that extends, you're not quite sure, but I would say you might go so far as to, like, based on just kind of how alive feels like the wrong word, but I have a better phrase for it, like just how energized and suddenly sure of itself these creatures became after feeding... I'm not going to say you think they were kind of fully alive at that point, but it definitely probably hints at least some form of extending whatever this process is, but also they get significantly more dangerous. It's not just that they seem to get an extension. They seem to almost get improved or even like exceed beyond what the initial limitations of the original body that was animated were. So I am going to take a very small like scrape sample of cells to look at this and i know that they're inert right now but i want to see if i were to introduce like i'm sure that we have bags of like spare blood around in case anyone's injured i want to introduce some blood to the uh the cells and see if they react in any way they do not okay good great i'll take some skin samples just from the guard that i have standing with me yeah and I'll introduce those and see if that they react in any way to that. The cells you are observing behave as, within the weird kind of limitations of what you would call dead cells in this situation, they are, as best you can measure, dead. They don't react to stimuli, but they do kind of weirdly seem to absorb the energies around them. Perhaps you're not giving them enough to really kind of fire them up, like maybe it requires more, you're not quite sure, but... Adding living tissue to it does not seem to reactivate these cells in a way that you saw previously. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure that that was the case. 
I am going to go through the grueling process of autopsying Amanda Thorpe's. Sure. Backs up the confirmations of the baby, shares the same characteristics with the reanimated samples. It has all the, what you're seeing at the cellular level is almost identical beyond the one is a collection of animals and one is a human baby, essentially. Those are the only differences you're observing. It's confirming that despite the somewhat wildly different biology between a human and like a dog or a possum, whatever's happening is working more or less the same way, regardless of kind of species. Got it. After the autopsies, I want to go over, see the moving of the bodies. Yeah. You hear a loud sound at one point, it's someone up a truck to, to move the trailer that's been acting as the morgue, and they're hauling them away. Did you have a specific location in mind that you're sending them to? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I was going to take them into Willis, stuff them in the most flammable looking house, and light it up. All right, so you're going to try and tag along for that process? Yeah. All right. Before we go, is it Blue Fly that's taking care of this stuff? Yeah, they've been drafted into it. Is it the same captain that's overseeing the... You don't know these necessarily. There's been more Blue Fly and AFOSI agents around than the ones you've directly interacted with. There are full teams of people that are kind of going about the base and doing what needs to be done. I'll go up to whoever seems to be in charge of this. And kind of nods his head at you in recognition. Doctor? Hi. Look, I'm going to tag along with you guys to give you an extra set of hands and make sure that we get rid of these things for good. I mean, we're just hauling these back into town for temporary storage, as far as I know. Yeah, I'm going to help you find the best place to store them. My plan was orders is written just to, you know, haul them in the middle of town and leave them there. I'm not just worried about them thawing out on us, given the weather. Look, we want to make sure they're not going to get exposed to elements or anything like that, so... uh... Look, if you don't mind, I just want to tag along, all right? Uh, my idea to move these things, I just want to make sure it goes smoothly. And if you guys need an extra set of hands, then... If it means that much to you, sure. You've been the one messing with them, I guess, the most. We'll uh, bring you along, I suppose. Right. The sun has begun to set a little bit as kind of they start to move, and he kind of looks at you. It's dark. Um, what with all the excitement and whatnot happened around base lately, you sure you want to be out there once it gets dark? I have a question. How long do we have until the next event, presumably? It is about 6 p.m. at this point. The events happen roughly at 1.44 a.m. in the morning. 1.44 a.m. Look, it shouldn't take too long, so I think that's fine. Well, maybe. I know that this is going to sound strange. I mean, you know what's going on. I know what's going on. Any of your boys sleeping and have an extra flack I can throw on while we're out there? I mean, I don't want to keep it. I just want a little extra protection. Jesus, Doc, you're asking for us to go rummage up some supplies. Give me a charisma or a persuade. 59 out of 75% success. Kind of seems to shake the idea around his head a little bit for a minute and goes, yeah, fuck it, you're coming with us. I'll go get something for you and sends one of the team off to go grab it and they come back with an extra flak jacket for you. I can't say about how well it'll fit, but, uh, yeah, that should keep you from getting shot, I guess. Leans in. But between you and me, nothing it seems to really matter too much with what the fuck's going on around here. Extra comfort. Schuler says he, like, wraps the front of the vest. Yeah. Guy raises a hand at you. Totally get it. Everything going on right now kind of taps his helmet. I haven't taken this thing off since this morning. Better safe than sorry, Doc. 
But yeah, if you're coming with, kind of gestures towards the truck they're going to haul the trailer away with. Come on. Fully agree. Look, when we get there, I'll I'll stay in the truck until you guys are sure that the site's clear, and then I'll, I'll hop out and give you a hand. Whatever makes you happy, Doc. And you and this team pull away from base, pulling the trailer with the corpses in it. Right. Towards the town of Willis. We're going to jump back in time now to Dr. Merlow and Captain Lookman. You are essentially researching this strange chair, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, so the chair is made from a combination of gold and electrum wrapped around another metal that you're not having any luck recognizing. The metals are twisted and fashioned with great precision, delicate yet unpleasant, around contorted crystalline shapes of unknown mineral. Do you have archaeology by any chance? Archaeology, no, but I do have physics. Nah, it's not going to help you in this one. Hmm. Is craft electrician help out? Not in this exact moment, no. Okay. How are you researching this? You like shining lights on it? You trying to cut into it? Like, how are you interacting with this thing to see what it does? Well, one of the things I'm doing to kind of look is see if there's any like weird like carvings or inscriptions, just to kind of like that's where I'm starting as far as like my analysis will go. Obviously, with depending on the lab equipment that we have, we can try to test some of the metals. Yeah, my first was going to be kind of a visual, like, what I can see as far as, like, carvings, engravings, and things like that. So, that would be my first part. Aside for just kind of signs of workmanship and the manufacturing process of this, which you're still not totally understanding, there's no additional kind of carvings or anything like that on top of it. It's this large, kind of strange dentist chair made for, you'd guess, probably about a 10-foot-tall person, give or take. Hmm. Hey, Merlo? Mm-hmm. Can I borrow that spanner? Sure. I will go ahead and hand that over, Lukeman. I uh, toss it in my hand, kind of feel the weight, understand just kind of how heavy this is, just the physicality of it. Sure. And I give the chair a light. I mean, it reacts the same way a large chair made out of a mix of metals, specifically gold and electrum, would react. Like, it doesn't do anything strange. All right. Hmm. Did I dent it? Maybe hit it hard enough, possibly. It's gold. Gold's not exactly a strong material. Could I figure out, or could I try to deduce some of the other, I guess, the other metal components of it based off of, like, testing the acoustics on the metal, technically? Because, like, different metals have different acoustic properties. So I could technically deduce it through that. So you're going to do a full kind of like sensor sweep on this thing, kind of really yeah. get into the... All right, cool. Yeah, that you can definitely do. So acoustically, not much, but when you're running sensors across, you find it emits a faint ultraviolet glow. When I put sound into it, it glows? It glows all the time, as best you can tell. Ultraviolet really can't be seen by human eyes. And remember, this thing is also faintly radioactive. It emits ELF radiation at 13.2 hertz. As best you can tell, though, there's no power source on this thing. Hmm. Does that fluctuate when I'm putting, like, actively putting, like, acoustic vibrations into it? Nope. Okay. The acoustics aren't really doing anything. I'm more just talking now that you're putting sensors onto it. You're seeing a variety of these things reveal themselves. Okay. I will say that kind of as you're shining lights on it, though, and as the sun starts to set some, the metal reacts to light strangely. It almost seems to be refracting 
as much as it's reflecting the light. It's not acting like gold should be. Huh. And give me an intelligence check, Dr. Merlo. 46 out of 90 success. It makes absolutely no goddamn sense, but something about this reminds you of crystalline structures like fossilized amber, potentially. Hmm. As you both are working your way around this, kind of as Luckman helps Merlot work through his various readings, everyone give me a sand check as you're going across this. Oh, boy. That's a 9% success for uh, Lucky Luckman. 91 out of 39 failure. All right, so it's got to take one point of sand damage. It's weird. Like, this thing puts off radiation, but there's no obvious power supply. This thing glows in ultraviolet despite having no kind of internal illumination, as best you can tell. You can kind of figure out two of the three materials it's made out of, but not all of them. And those materials aren't really reacting to light the way it should. Like, it's very strange. Hmm. Hey, Merlo, what if we pump some electricity? Yeah, I'm curious about that. Let's. Do we have a power source nearby we can plug into it just to see? Yeah, there's various generators and whatnot you could try plugging into it. Okay. I'll start kind of gathering stuff up to get it plugged in, or at least have something hooked up to it, and then we can test it out with a generator. So I'll prep what I need on my end to get that scored away. All right. So no matter how much power you pump into this thing, it just kind of seems to absorb it. Hmm. You're not quite sure how, but it does. Can I use Craft Electrician to suss out some details or just kind of see what the heck's going on with this? Because. Things should not just be an energy sink. What's your um, electrician at? 40%. That's enough to kind of confirm what you're saying. Like, the fact it's just absorbing energy and the energy's not going anywhere, that's real weird. That's not how anything works. Like, you maybe would expect this thing to get, like, a charge off it or something. Like, in theory, it should zap you when you're pumping power into it, but it's not. It's just absorbing. Give me a sand check. 77% 77% out of fumble. The ghost is back, baby. <laughs> All right. So as you're kind of just examining this thing, not really getting what's going on, you are climbing around on top of it at one point just to kind of see if you can get some readings off of it. You're going to take one point of sand damage. And just as the sun dips below the horizon, the chair begins to react. I'm on top of it. You're on top of it. Yes. So as you're sitting on top of this, wiry metal filaments snake up through your clothing from the chair and seize and pierce into your flesh. The filaments pierce clothing and armor and sink deep into the tissue and extremities of the torso. Give me 1d6 for damage. That's a max of six. That's half my hit points. So you feel this thing just kind of slithering around inside of your veins like this. You are for all purposes, part of this chair just made you part of it. You are just in horrific agony. This thing seems to attach onto you. You also begin to twitch sporadically as a small electric shock extends into you from these filaments. Both of you give me a sand check. Cool. Sand check it is. And like I said, if I fumble the sand check, I'm just getting up and leave. Leaving. 96% failure. All right, that's going to be 1d8 from you. One out of uh, 38 failure. And that's going to be 1d4 for our witness as you watch this chair just slither and shock Captain Luckman. So I'm not screaming incoherently. For whatever reason, I only rolled a one on that sand damage. 
but I am now cursing up a goddamn storm and I am trying to fight back. Can I do anything yet or is it like- not yet? It's all kind of happening a little bit too quickly to react just yet. But as you're kind of screaming at this whole thing happening to you, you suddenly stop talking and you're overcome with a vision. Sick. You look up from the shrine to a star-filled sky where a great aura shifts blue and purple. You think of the strange chair as a shrine. You feel deeply that it is good to be here in the shrine. Fearful, but good. It is necessary. All around you, strange men and women wear simple loincloths and intricate jewelry of copper, gold, and mica. They have yellow-gray skin, broad noses, and high foreheads and cheekbones. Their hair grows black or brown or wiry red from a large, wide skull which elongates strangely in the back. A few brown-furred mastodons carry great sacks filled with shining things. The mastodons are about half the height of these strangers. One stranger leans near you and silently raises a hand. He sings a low song and sends some terrible force away. The language is utterly lost on you and forgotten. Yet somehow you understand... Owners of the sky, fathers of owls, lord of the ice that burns, langwalker, windwalker, depart in contentment. Agonies lift your spirit from your body into the sky. It feels as though something within you tears loose along with something in the substance of space. Give me a sand check. Damn, you're really just hitting us with these sand checks back to back. That's a 46% out of 53 success. All right, it's only one point of sand damage. Is that the end of the hallucination? Yeah, so you are snapped back to reality as just kind of the buzzing jolts you back to full consciousness, and you find yourself sitting on this chair in a tent in the rough middle of Weatherwatcher HQ, Dr. Merlo staring on as the sun fully dips below the horizon. A commotion has begun to arrive. People are kind of looking up at you a little bit confused. What do you do? Am I still wired in? Almost definitely. I'm a little bewildered initially because I'm still have that like almost I still have that kind of peaceful bliss of just experiencing like oneness with the chair. But as I let out like my last sigh, I feel like the I feel the coldness of the wires still like within my body and the piercing pain just kind of ramping back up to where it used to be. And I start rapidly breathing faster and faster and start trying to tear them out much like how the old movies will have like a patient like wake up from a coma and try to rip out their fucking intravenous tubes and shit so that's what i'm doing right now <laughs> 